Legendary Passages, Episode 99, 25th Argonauts. The End of the Argo, from Diodorus, Library of History. Previously, Medea tricked the daughters of Peleus into killing their own father. In this passage, the Argonauts take over Iolcus, and Jason hands the kingdom over to Acastus, the king's son. Jason and Medea live happily in Corinth, but Jason sets aside his wife to marry the daughter of Creon. So Medea sneaks into the palace with a magic root that burns the palace to ash. Finally, Medea cured Heracles of his madness, and then came to Athens and married King Aegeus. When his son Theseus arrived, she was exiled, and eventually returned home to Colchis. The End of the Argo, a legendary passage from Diodorus Siculus, Library of History, Book 4, Sections 52-56, to 56, translated by C. H. Oldfather. After Peleus had been slain in this way, Medea, they say, took no part in cutting the body to pieces or in boiling it, but pretending that she must first offer prayers to the moon, she caused the maidens to ascend with lamps to the highest part of the roof of the palace, while she herself took much time repeating a long prayer in the Colchian speech, thus affording an interval to those who were to make the attack. Consequently, the Argonauts, when from their lookout they made out the fire, believing that the slaying of the king had been accomplished, hastened to the city on the run, and passing inside the walls, entered the palace with drawn swords, and slew such guards as offered opposition. The daughters of Peleus, who had only at that moment descended from the roof to attend to the boiling of their father, when they saw to their surprise both Jason and the chieftains in the palace, were filled with dismay at what had befallen them, for it was not within their power to avenge themselves on Medea, nor could they by deceit make amends for the abominable act which they had done. Consequently, the daughters, it is related, were about to make an end of their lives, but Jason, taking pity on their distress, restrained them, and exhorting them to be of good courage, showed them that it was not from evil design that they had done wrong, but it was against their will, and because of deception, that they had suffered the misfortune. Jason now, we are informed, promising all his kindred in general that he would conduct himself honorably and magnanimously, summoned the people to an assembly. And after defending himself for what he had done, and explaining that he had only taken vengeance on men who had wronged him first, inflicting a less severe punishment on them than the evils he himself had suffered, he bestowed upon Acastus, the son of Peleus, the ancestral kingdom, and... As for the daughters of the king, he said that he considered it right that he himself should assume the responsibility for them. And ultimately he fulfilled his promise, they say, by joining them all in marriage after a time to the most renowned men. Alcestis, for instance, the eldest, he gave in marriage to Admetus of Thessaly, the son of Pheres, and Phenomi to Andraemon, the brother of Leontius, Euadne to Canes, 
who was the son of Cephalus and king at the time of the Phocians. These marriages he arranged at a later period. But at the time in question, sailing together with the chieftains to the Isthmus of the Peloponnesus, he performed a sacrifice to Poseidon, and also dedicated to the god the ship Argo. And since he received a great welcome at the court of Creon, the king of the Corinthians, he became a citizen of that city and spent the rest of his days in Corinth. The Founding of the Olympic Games When the Argonauts were on the point of separating and departing to their native lands, Heracles, they say, proposed to the chieftains that, in view of the unexpected turns fortune takes, they should exchange oaths among one another to fight at the side of any one of their number who should call for aid, and that, furthermore, they should choose out the most excellent place in Greece, there to institute games and a festival for the whole race, and should dedicate the games to the greatest of the gods, Olympian Zeus. After the chieftains had taken their oath concerning the alliance, and had entrusted Heracles with the management of the games, he, they say, picked the place of the festival on the bank of the Elephius River, in the land of the Eleans. Accordingly, this place besides the river he made sacred to the greatest of the gods, and called it Olympia after his appellation. When he had instituted horse race and gymnastic contests, he fixed the rules governing the events, and then dispatched sacred commissioners to announce to the cities the spectacle of the games. And although Heracles had won no moderate degree of fame because of the high esteem in which he was held by the Argonauts throughout their expedition, to this was now added the glory of having founded the festival at Olympia, so that he was the most renowned men among all the Greeks, and, known as he was in almost every state, there were many who sought his friendship and who were eager to share with him in every danger. And since he was an object of admiration because of his bravery and his skill as a general, he gathered a most powerful army and visited all the inhabited world, conferring his benefactions upon the race of men. And it was in return for these that with the general approval he received the gift of immortality. But the poets, following their custom of giving a tale of wonder, have recounted the myth that Heracles, single-handed and without the aid of armed forces, performed the labors which are on the lips of all. Jason and Medea in Corinth But we have now recounted all the myths which are told about this god, and at this time must add what remains to be said about Jason. The account runs like this. Jason made his home in Corinth, and living with Medea as his wife for ten years, he begat children by her, the two oldest, Thessalus and Alcimenes, being twins, and the third, Tisandrus, being much younger than the other two. Now during this period, we are informed, Medea was highly approved by her husband, because she not only excelled in beauty, but was adorned with modesty and every other virtue. But afterward, as time more and more diminished her natural comeliness, Jason, it is said, became enamored of Glauci, Creon's daughter, and sought the maiden's hand in marriage. And after her father had given his consent, and had set a day for the marriage, Jason, they say, 
had first tried to persuade Badia to withdraw from their wedlock of her free will. For, he told her, he desired to marry the maiden, not because he felt his relations with Medea were beneath him, but because he was eager to establish a kinship between the king's house and his children. But when his wife was angered and called upon the gods who had been the witnesses of their vows, they say that Jason, disdaining the vows, married the daughter of the king. Thereupon Medea was driven out of the city, and being allowed by Creon but one day to make preparations for her exile, she entered the palace by night, having altered her appearance by means of drugs, and set fire to the building by applying to it a little root which had been discovered by her sister Circe, and had the property that when it was kindled it was hard to put out. Now when the palace suddenly burst into flames, Jason quickly made his way out of it, but as far as Glauci and Creon, the fire hemmed them in on all sides, and they were consumed by it. Certain historians, however, say that the son of Medea brought to the bride gifts of which had been anointed with poisons, and that when Glauci took them and put them about her body, both she herself at her end, and her father, when he ran to help her and embraced her body, likewise perished. Although Medea had been successful in her first undertakings, yet she did not refrain, so we are told, from taking her revenge upon Jason. For when she had come to such a state of rage and jealousy, yes, even of savageness, that, since he had escaped from the peril which threatened him at the same time as his bride, she determined, by the murder of the children of them both, to plunge him into the deepest misfortunes. For except for the one son who made his escape from her. She slew the other sons, and in the company with her most faithful maids, fled in the dead of night from Corinth, and made her way safely to Heracles in Thebes. Her reason for doing so was that Heracles had acted as a mediator in connection with the agreements which had been entered into into the land of the Colchians, and had promised to come to her aid if she should ever find them violated. Meanwhile, they go on to say, in the opinion of everyone, Jason, in losing children and wife, had suffered only what was just. Consequently, being unable to endure the magnitude of the affliction, he put an end to his life. The Corinthians were greatly distressed at such a terrible reversal of fortune, and were especially perplexed about the burial of the children. Accordingly, they dispatched messengers to Pytho, to inquire of the god what should be done with the bodies of the children. And the Pythian priestess commanded them to bury the children in the sacred precinct of Hera, and to pay them the honors which are recorded to heroes. After the Corinthians had performed this command, Thessalus, they say, who had escaped being murdered by his mother, was reared as a youth in Corinth, and then removed to Iolcus, which was the native land of Jason. And finding on his arrival that Acastus, the son of Peleus, had recently died, he took over the throne which belonged to him by inheritance, and called the people who were subject to himself Thessalians after his own name. I am not unaware that this is not the only explanation given of the name of the Thessalians bear, 
But the fact is that the other accounts which have been handed down to us are likewise at variance with one another, and concerning these we shall speak on a more appropriate occasion. Medea and Aegeus Now as for Medea, they say, on finding upon her arrival in Thebes that Heracles was possessed of a frenzy of madness, and had slain his sons, she restored to him health by means of drugs. But since Eurystheus was pressing Heracles with his commands, she despaired of receiving any aid from him at the moment, and sought refuge in Athens with Aegeus, the son of Pandion. Here, as some say, she married Aegeus and gave birth to Medus, who was later king of Media. But certain writers give the account that, when her person was demanded by Apotes, the son of Creon, she was granted a trial and cleared of the charges he raised against her. After this, when Theseus returned to Athens from Trozen, a charge of poisoning was brought against her, and she was exiled from the city. But by the gift of Aegeus, she received an escort to go with her to whatever country she might wish, and she came to Phoenicia. Medea in Asia From there she journeyed into the interior regions of Asia, and married a certain king of renown, to whom she bore a son, Medus. And the son, succeeding to the throne after the death of the father, was greatly admired for his courage, and named the people Medes after himself. Speaking generally, it is because of the desire of the tragic poets for the marvelous that so varied and inconsistent an account of Medea has been given out, and some indeed, in their desire to win favor with the Athenians, say that she took that Medus who she bore to Aegeus, and got off safe to Colchis, and at that time Aetes, who had been forcibly driven from the throne by his brother Perses, had regained his kingdom, Medus, Medea's son, having slain Perses, and that afterwards Medus, securing the command of an army, advanced over a large part of Asia which lies above the Pontus, and secured possession of Media, which has been named after this Medus. But, since in our judgment it is unnecessary and would be tedious to record all the assertions which the writers of myths have made about Medea, we shall only add those items which have been passed over concerning the history of the Argonauts. This passage concludes our collection of 25 episodes on the Argonauts.